Throughout the Old Testament, we seldom find God's people in a time of peace. Uh, There almost always seems to be, as you read through the Old Testament, some war going on, or some looming crisis, some catastrophe at hand. And in the book of Micah, God sends His prophet to declare that this is His will. That His people are living in immorality and sin, and there is trouble coming. In Micah 4, we learn that destruction is on the horizon. Jerusalem itself will be destroyed. God's people will be taken into exile. They will be made subservient to a pagan people. Micah uses vivid imagery to make his points. A a woman crying out in labor. Sheaves being beaten on the threshing floor. And he says that all the nations are assembled against His people. But, he says, they do not know the thoughts of the Lord. They do not understand His plan. Micah says that God will rescue His people. And from them will come a shepherd and a king unlike any this world has ever seen. And so look with me at Micah chapter 5 and the first six verses. And this is what we read. Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. And therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. What power those last words must have had for the faithful in Israel. He shall be their peace. There were people in Israel that so longed for peace that God had spoken of a day when there would be a kingdom of peace. A day when God would dwell with His people and God would no longer be angry with them because they would be holy and He would be their Father. And yet generation came and generation went And peace was never found. Today, we live in a world that often seems devoid of peace. Danger and death, evil and tragedy can seem like they surround us. Think back over the headlines of this year that is coming to an end. 
Back in February, the Ebola virus in West Africa began. As of today, around 20,000 people infected, more than 7,000 dead. The beginning of this year, we had the Winter Olympics held in Sochi, Russia. If you remember, it was amidst terrorist threats. Amongst many fears, there had been a, a train station bombing just weeks before. And just a couple of weeks after that, Malaysian Airlines Flight 370 completely disappeared. 239 people on board, all presumed dead somewhere in the Indian Ocean. April 14th, more than 270 girls and women were kidnapped and forced to convert to Islam and were forcibly married to members of the Islamic terrorist group Boko Haram. In nations like Lesotho and Thailand, governments were overthrown. Throughout the summer, as you remember, Israel and Palestine were at yet war again. 2,100 Palestinians, 71 Israelis killed in that conflict. There was fighting between Russia and the Ukraine. And in the midst of that, another Malaysian flight was shot down, killing 298 people. One week later, a flight to Mali was shot down with 116 people. And then came a group called ISIS and thousands of people. Many of them, our brothers and sisters in Christ, were driven from their homes. In Syria alone, more than 100,000 Christians were driven from their homes. Others were brutally executed. Girls were violently raped and traded from one man to the next among the members of this group. Last Tuesday, 141 people, including 132 children, were killed by Talibanese as they attacked a school in Pakistan. Here in the U.S., we've seen the turmoil of Ferguson, Missouri, rising tensions along racial lines over the last several weeks. And on and on we could go. And all of these events that have been happening in our world are alongside a million other more personal ones. In our own churches, we've seen people that we love facing difficult, serious health situations. Some of us in this room saw people we love reach the end of their lives this year. We've maybe seen tension in our relationships. Maybe had struggles in, uh, in our friendships or even among family members. This year might have been a year of financial difficulty for you. And certainly every one of us in this room has known the constant struggle against sin. Maybe you're here tonight and you are feeling beaten black and blue by your struggle with, with your temper or with lust or with bitterness, or with unforgiveness, or with addiction. And like the faithful Israelites of old, you may be wondering, where is this peace that we're supposedly celebrating tonight? Didn't the angels say that they were announcing peace on earth? I'm sure you know the song from the poem by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and mild and sweet their songs repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to man. 
And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to man. Well, friends, the Bible points us to the only place on this planet where true peace can be found. And it isn't in Washington, D.C. And it isn't even in our family traditions or in our Christmas feasts. If we long for peace, the Bible points us to a little village called Bethlehem. It's not a village anymore. It's a town today of around 25,000 people. But back when Christ was born there, it was a little town. Micah says, His coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Micah says, The child coming from Bethlehem will not be just a mere baby in a manger. This is the one whose coming has been planned for and waited for and longed for. And what was going to be so special about this child? Micah 5 verse 3. Verse 3, Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth, then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. When this Messiah comes, Micah says, there will be a great ingathering of brothers. We know from the New Testament that this refers to today, the great day of gospel mission. Jesus now finished with His redemptive work as sitting at the right hand of God. And by the power of the Spirit and the preaching of the Gospel, He is gathering in His people, indeed His brothers, from the four corners of the globe. You and I live in the day of missions. The day of people being brought into the kingdom of God from every tongue, tribe, and nation. Before Bethlehem, before the coming of Christ, there was only a tiny, tiny remnant of Gentiles being brought into the family of God. But since the coming of Jesus Christ, Asian and African and European and Australian and South American and Central American and North American brothers and sisters are being brought into the kingdom and saved. The great kingdom of peace is being built. But that's not all. Look again at verse 4. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. The principle seems to be this. A kingdom will only be as good as its king. And this king that's coming from Bethlehem is going to be a shepherd king. This child coming from Bethlehem will be a ruler who loves his people. He is going to love them so much he will give his life for them. He will lead them beside still waters. He will restore their souls. He protects his sheep. He provides for his sheep. He cherishes his sheep. He guides his sheep. And unlike other rulers who have come before, this ruler is going to rule in the strength of God Himself. Micah says the very power of God is going to be at the disposal of this king. Indeed, 
Micah says he has the majesty of the great name I am. In other words, what Micah says here hundreds of years before Jesus came to earth is that this ruler will be a true man, but he will be more than just a man. He will be Yahweh. God Himself come to earth. And because this will be the king, this kingdom will be indestructible. This kingdom of peace will be a kingdom that can never be brought down. The king himself will be the secretary of defense of this kingdom. And the name of this king is Yahweh, God. And therefore, as Micah says, these people shall dwell secure. For his name shall be great to the ends of the earth. And then Micah says those final words that mean so much. Verse 5, and he shall be their peace. How is the Lord Jesus Christ our peace in a world that often seems so crazy? Jesus is our peace with God. This is the peace that matters most of all. Until we have peace with God, it doesn't matter how great everything else in our lives may be, we are in trouble. If the whole world is for you, but God is against you, you are lost. But the little boy, born in a manger, was born to die as a substitute for sinners. God so loved the world that He sent His only Son to die, to experience the wrath that our sins deserve. Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As He bore in Himself the terrible weight and pain of the hell that my sins deserve. And now because of Jesus, whoever believes on Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Even in the midst of a tough year, even in the midst of cancer or unemployment or a hard marriage or a rebellious child that's breaking your heart, there is a peace that comes in having fellowship with God Himself through Jesus Christ. And it is a peace that is deeper than any other peace you can find in this world. But that's not the whole story. The peace that Jesus brings to us is so rich and so full and so wonderful. For not only does it include peace with God, but as we trust Him, as we kneel and learn from Him, as we follow His ways, we grow in our peace with others. He teaches us to control our tongues. And we begin to learn how to strive for peace in our differing relationships. We, we learn from the Master how to forgive those who sin against us. There is a real kind of peace that can be known right here, right now, in this life, by Christians as they pursue peace together. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. In His great mercy, Christ often uses His Spirit and His Word to guide us into greater experiences of peace in our relationships in this life. But ultimately... Jesus promises to us that when we die or He returns, whichever comes first, we will truly enter into eternal, abundant, soul-overwhelming, happy peace. 
My family was on vacation last week, and we had the experience of coming home after being away for many days. And as much fun as we had while we were away on our trip, there is something wonderful about walking into the doors of your own home. There is something so warm and secure about sleeping in your own bed. Well, we are promised a day when we will pass through the waters of death and there before our eyes will be our Savior, the one from Bethlehem, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as He embraces us, we will know more than we have ever known before what real security and real peace and real home feels like. Jesus is our peace. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Christ. At the appointed time, He will return and we will have second Christmas. And this time He will appear not as a baby in a manger, but as a noble warrior on a white horse. All wickedness and all injustice will be slain. The new heavens and the new earth will appear. And we will dwell forever in a world that is free from sin, free from suffering, free from sickness, free from death. And we will dwell in the eternal love of our Savior forever. And all will be right. And all will be good. That is the hope that we are celebrating at Christmas. And we trust it. It's a promise from Christ. Then rang the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does He sleep. The wrong shall fail, and the right prevail with peace on earth. And goodwill to man. Jesus is our peace. Let's pray. Father, in the midst of Christmas craziness, we can lose sight of where true peace is found. We ask that you would take your word in these moments and that you would help us again to drink deep, deeply from the fountain of Jesus Christ. Father, remind us that He is always with us. Remind us that His promises are true. Remind us that we are bought by His blood and that we are on our way to see Him. And Father, in that sweet security, give us peace. And Father, how grateful we are that through Jesus Christ we have peace with You. Thank You. Thank You for bringing us to Yourself. Thank You we can call you Father. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.